happy, happy vibes, my friends. Welcome back to my podcast, Vibes by Alicia, where I believe in spreading killer vibes that light you up and give you that kick in the ass to craft the life you wish to live. This sacred space is dedicated to the lovers of all things business, travel, and lifestyle. Hey, it's about time you get the scoop on the latest vibes. So let's get to it. So Y'all, this week is a little bit different because I'm going to be talking from the heart this time. You know, typically um, I have a guest and we have notes and we prepare and all of that. But I invited a guest here today because someone that just kind of gets 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 stuff out of me somehow. She comes in and she just starts talking. I'm like, and I want to know more. And so, Angelica, Hi. welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank, Thank you for you being for here. Now. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for inviting me. This is amazing. I'm excited. And you're also a podcaster. So tell them about your podcast a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm a creator, uh, a host and a creator of two podcasts. So I have one with my husband called Quantum Words. And yes. I have my own called If Not You Then Who. Uh, I've been in this space. I've been in this this right. space as a blogger for the last 10 years and then we recently started actually we were talking about an old podcast that we had so we actually started podcasting six years ago wow but then me and my husband started a podcast when the pandemic hits and then i started my own about three four months ago yeah so that's where i'm at amazing yeah well so congrats to that yeah yeah congrats to 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 longevity it's not easy to keep it going for so long no yeah well on and off man so yeah have to, but now on your own yeah yeah i'm excited to be able to do something on my own and do um but yeah anyway yeah that's, you, that's all fantastic and you know we've been planning to get together and have a podcast together because we wanted to record together but you know this week something affected me a lot that i think that um really brought something out of me that i've been sort of holding in and not really talking to i don't really talk about this as much um because I just tend to put this subject in the back of my head and the back of my mind and something that I think you're very familiar with mental health. And so for me, it's sort of like my protection. It protects me from thinking about those days and those moments. And something, I guess, triggered me this week. It was the case of Gabby Petito. I think you've been following that as well, right? I think you've heard about that. And it's the case of this young 22-year-old late uh, girl who was off doing the van life, hashtag the van life, and she was blogging, and she was doing a blog, um, video blog, with her boyfriend, her fiancé now, because they got engaged over the summer, and so they took off from Florida or New York, mm-hmm. one of the two, because I think they both live in both places, or she's from New York, his family's in Florida. they originally they met in New York, and then... He was right. in Florida and she followed him there. They got engaged there. They bought a van. High school sweethearts. Um, I think they started dating after high school. Oh, after high school. After high okay. school. Okay. But they knew each other in high school. They did. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it kind of like reminded me of, of, of my life and where I've been and, um, Toxic relationships was the thing that just kept popping in my head. And as I prepare for for the podcast and as I prepare the episodes, I tend to be, you know, very much the teacher. Like, what can I teach or what can I educate my listeners on or what can information can I share or, you know, but I did have a conversation with my husband over the um, over the summer. And he says to me, you know, you, you, you you're very controlled in your emotions and what you share like you'll never see me share a cry post on social or you'll never see me upset or sad or you know because I I think I keep all of that to myself like not even my family knowing is that what culturally for you to keep the things in and to not share too much. I think so, because I think I have to always protect the people around me from that like I I am always taking care of everybody else and Mm -hmm. so 
if I share my my um my sadness or, or my emotions, emotions, I feel like I'm dragging them down even more, like other people that need me like to be strong. I need, I'm, I'm a burden for them. Yeah. So I have to stay strong. I have to maintain the strength. I have to maintain a sense of like composure. You've got it together. You pull it together, but then you, you fall apart in private. Yeah. You know, you do. You fall apart in private and only maybe one or two people ever see you fall apart. Yeah, and for me, it's, it's, too. it's my husband. Yeah. Yeah. He and I, he yeah. does, he mm -hmm. will, and he, he, he will try to comfort me, but he knows that I have to go through this. Mm -hmm. Like he, he won't tell me like, get over it or nothing like that, because he knows that for me, it has to be going, I have to go through this. Yeah. If it takes me an hour, two hours to cry it out, you know, do my pity party, mm -hmm. do whatever I feel like I need to go through. But the story of Gabby really kind of set me to that time when I was maybe 16, 17, 18. Gosh, it was, I was 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. It was six years of a relationship of high school relationship where um it was a very toxic relationship and it was a lot of mental and emotional abuse mm -hmm. um you know and it started quite innocent and sweet you know i mean this this person was obsessed with me since we were in middle school that's um really i think sweet so cute. yeah and it was exactly that um, little letters, you know, mm -hmm. when we were in seventh grade, um, and, 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 you know, I don't, I, I was actually really into his friend into his best friend. I, and that was the person I was really like interested in. Cause I had like been obsessed with that other person since I was in second grade in Sherman elementary. Anyways, you know, that kid was just um, a hot mess. I'm so glad that I just didn't even like, because <laughs> I would have been a mess. I would have been a disaster if I would have hooked up with that person. But this guy would send me notes. He would write uh, uh, letters with like new kids on the blocks, oh, <laughs> the lyrics, <laughs> the lyrics to the songs. Um, Please don't go girl. You know, yeah. that song. <laughs> You yes, have to, you have to 1987, 1988 is the years. You have to have had a tape, right? You have to have yes, tape you have to have a tape. Over yes, over and over and over to get the lyrics right. Yeah. So that, like a song like that written out by somebody, there was no Google, there was none of that. No, he would and write sometimes, out the whole song for me. Yeah, you would have to listen to the song over and over and over to get it right. And sometimes they, I know sometimes in the billfold, they would have like the lyrics. But that. But here's the funniest. Yeah. The funniest part to this is that I didn't know who New Kids on the Block were. Oh, I know my parents didn't it was only spanish music it was ranchero norteño music in my house i'd never listened to english music in my life i mean we would watch spanish tv all day in my house you know maybe the brady bunch was the one thing we maybe watched yeah. a little bit of brady bunch a little i don't know that kind of thing but it was just like i didn't know when new kids on the block went so he would write all these like these these <laughs> these lyrics it was the funniest thing in the world but i thought okay well you know it was sweet it was cute but nothing 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 seventh grade went through he invited me to the eighth grade prom i didn't go i didn't go no well i did go with him and i i but i took three of my friends with me because okay. i just didn't want to be like his date oh, okay. uh you know because i wasn't really interested in him he kept pursuing and pushing huh it was eighth, grade eighth grade prom yeah. yeah and so kept wanting to like you know go out with me and like ask me out and my parents were okay they were not like the type they're like no you can't no you can't no puedes tener novio like that they were not like that they were super like you know like nice and sweet and just really 
and I had a really good family structure. I didn't come from a dysfunctional family at all. My parents were super close, very loving family. We were poor, but we were loved. We were taken care of. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't sense that we didn't have much. Mm -hmm. We just were a happy, happy family. But ninth grade goes by, finally, 10th grade keeps pursuing, keeps pursuing, keeps pursuing, pursuing from seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th grade. Mm -hmm. Finally, I think I just gave up and I was like, okay, whatever. Let's just, you know, go out. Pretty quick question. Yeah. Did he have any girlfriends prior before you? He did, but it was very, like, they were very, um, no, kind of like not really. It was like friends. he pursued you between them. All the time. He was with them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, good red question. Flags, red flags, red flags, red flags. You know, but just insistent, mm -hmm. super insistent with the relationship. Obsessive. And so I kept going obsessed, very much so. And the obsession went even beyond my college and my in my life, even when I was already married to another person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the obsession. So that's kind of why I'm so triggered by this because there's an there's an emotional abuse that's happening, but I'm not aware that it's happening at the time. Mm -hmm. But the more I listen to how Gabby's um you know, the, the, her, her, her cries, you know, when she's crying to the cops and what's going on with that, like I, that would have been me, she you know, explain. she can't explain what's going on and he's gaslighting her the whole time. Like, it's your fault that I'm acting this way. It's your fault, you know, that, um, I'm upset or that I'm angry, you know, instead mm -hmm. of like, like taking a step back and thinking, well, what did I do to cause you to get upset? I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. I just maybe you know, didn't say something correctly or whatever. But, you know, for years, this kind of abuse continued in the relationship. And you would think that because he pursued me for so long that he would have been like nicer, more sweet or, you know, continue like that. But he was in a lot of ways, very sweet. He was very fun. Everybody loved him. I mean, he would, I would introduce him to my friends and everybody wanted to know where he was. Like, where is he? Why didn't he, why isn't he here? Like, he's so much fun. He's like the life of the party and everybody just has such, it's a charismatic personality. I cut you off by accident. So you, no, he was go ahead. pursuing you in ninth grade and then 10th grade rolled around. How yeah. did you say yes? How did you, how were you like, oh, okay. Well, well he just asked me out to like a, a dance, a high school dance. One of those that we used to have dances like every month at the school. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes. And then from there on, you know, it was the next dance. We would go together. And he was such a great dancer that I just loved hanging out and dancing with him. I had so much fun. So it was really, there was like a play on me and my, you know, my sense of like, I want to socialize. Mm -hmm. I want to go out. I want to have fun. I want to go, go here and go there. So he would plan all of these really fun activities for me. Did he have friends? Yeah. He tons of friends. Okay. Great family. Um, all of that was really, I mean, the dad was, uh, is another story, but the mother was the sweetest person, an angel, the most adorable, beautiful person in so the world. he asked you out to dance and then y'all started. Yeah. Out. Hanging out, going out, doing things together, going to the movies, mutual friends. mutual friends, everybody liked him and things like that. But so I think, I think it started when I went to college and he didn't, he didn't go to, sc he didn't go to school. Mm -hmm. He said he was going to go and he wasn't going to, but then I started getting him getting visits from him at my school at my university and sometimes i would find out that he was there at the university without me knowing he would just kind of like you know hide in the back and just keep an eye on me and watch you from a distance. watch me from a distance because you know later on in conversations he would come out that hey i you know who was that person you were talking to today and like that 
you know, guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, cool. And and I started to realize and putting things together that he was keeping an eye on me and he was watching me from afar. Mm-hmm. Because he didn't have anything else to do. He wasn't going to school. He wasn't like working or like, you know, his work was like, he would work one month here, one month there. I mean, unstable, inconsistent. And here I am, you know, trying to have a college education. First of all, I'm in college through scholarship because I couldn't afford to go to college. So I had to be super focused on college. I had to be super focused on my school. Um, And he kept bringing up things and like appearing out of nowhere. I'm sitting down at, you know, in a outdoor area. And he would just appear. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, what are you doing here? Well, you know, I just came to see you. Like, it was very strange because he just came to keep an eye on me. It wasn't mm-hmm. just to see me. It was like, oh, you would. I can't come and visit you. You're my girlfriend. Like, I can't even say hi. When did you know? It was I'm a like, problem? no, you're being obsessive right now. <sighs> so it continued and it continued for years, actually, that way. And little by little, it escalated from that. Mm-hmm. And then the emotional abuse became an, an, an additional component to just like keeping an eye on me. It was more like, well, why are you talking to that person? Well, why are you you know, going out with your friends? I thought you and I were going to spend time together. You're in school all the time. I don't see you anymore controlling my time. I don't see you anymore. You're in school all the time. But he would say school. You're in college all the time in a very derogatory way. Like oh. you're spending your time there when you could be with me. Here I am trying to get myself, first of all, out of this neighborhood because this neighborhood was just, it was suffocating me. I needed to get out. I needed to do something. And also to pull my parents out of the neighborhood because we were living in a really tiny house. There were six or seven of us. For me, there was like a goal. There was like an end goal Mm -hmm. that I needed to get an education that I can make money so that I can move us out. And for him, it was like, there you are spending time there again. Like now you're doing that. And the worst part was when I was out and about with friends, Some of the people that I was out with would call him and say, hey, Ali's over here. She's over here with a bunch of these friends. You need to come over here and check this out. And so then some of the people that I thought were trustworthy were telling him where I was and were telling him, you know, she's here. She's having fun. She's dancing with other people and you're not here. So he would show up and I'm over here dancing, having a good time. He would come and pull me out, scream at me in front of others. Um humiliate me in front of my friends, you know? And so I would just, you know, tell them to go away, you know, it's, I would fight back, Mm -hmm. but why do I have to fight back Angelica? Why did I have to get to that point where I was like literally punching Mm -hmm. him Mm -hmm. and it became a running joke. Oh yeah. Don't piss her off because she's going to punch you. Yeah. So you look like the idiot. But I look like the idiot. And that's Mm -hmm. what happened with Gabby where the cop said, She's she looks like she's the aggressor. Yeah, she's being the aggressor. She's emotional. She's emotional. But I got to that point through multiple and multiple and 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 consistent um, physical and mental abuse. I mean, no hitting. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about that. But there's pulling. Yeah. There's pushing. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. There's, there's and the there's emotional that. abuse, you know. And then years kept going. I finally am graduating from college, and. It, you know, he's like, so finally, we're going to get married. Finally, you're going to, you know, leave school. Finally, you're not going to be, you know, surrounded by those people. And then he's like, because you've changed so much. Now you you speak like you're such a like smart, you know, smart girl. You know, you're not the same girl that I met. And now you think you're everything. And again, bringing up these these comments of like, that's so weird. Why would he not want you to better yourself to be a better person? Because he never bettered himself. 
So I was leaving him behind. Why is that a big scare for men? Because I've heard that several times. That's one of men's big scares of for you to leave them where they're at. Um, as opposed to them thinking that you can bring them. And it's like a, it's a, it's a thing. I don't know if it's machismo. I don't know what it is for them to think that you're doing better, that you could potentially help them. Because they want to control how it's helped, how you maneuver, and what you do, and how you spend that controlling aspect of it's part of the. It's part of his upbringing, though. Mm-hmm. His father was extremely patriarchal, very I much, see. very machista. He would say, "Why do you let her wear that clothes? Why do you let her wear that skirt? Why do you let her?" It was a lot of like, "Por qué la dejas hacer eso?" Mm-hmm. Like he's supposed to give me permission to be me and to be able to dress the way that I want to dress, you know, act the way that I want to act, do the things. And well, at home, my parents are encouraging me to be me, to be fun, to be authentic. You know, I've always had a very sexy, sensual side to me ever since I was a young girl. And my mom always played up on it. She would make my dresses super short. You know, she would she made my sister's dress like a huge cleavage. And we were going to freaking high school. But my parents were super like chill about those things. And my dad would always say, like, like, who cares? Like he would not even and my dad was raised in a very patriarchal way. Maybe for me, he he would and with his girls, he was super open-minded and like really cool, like super cool. So it was difficult for you. So it was difficult to see that. And for him, that my parents wouldn't put a stop to me. Like, why don't you put a stop to her? You should be putting, you know, should be putting a stop to all the things that she's trying to do. You know, she's going, she's traveling with her friends. You shouldn't even be letting her go. The kinds of things that you would think now, like, wow, if I saw my son acting this way with his girlfriend, yeah. no, there's no way. Yeah. No, I would have a very serious conversation yeah. with him because you don't do that. What? That one time that I edited ed- ed- my son. Yeah. That he was, I think he was like raising his voice because their their voice deepens and so his like just like vibrates and it's profound and he was talking to me pretty heavy and I was like I was like Edgar I was like okay stop I was like you have to stop I was like first of all I don't appreciate the tone I don't appreciate you raising your tone and deepening to like try to overshadow me that's controlling too I was like if I ever hear you talk like that to your girlfriend or wife I will I will and promise you Edgar I will call the cops if I ever feel you a threat yeah. to anybody, mm-hmm. I will call the cops. Mm-hmm. And he was so surprised by it. He was like, Mom, I was like, because you're using your male like stance as a way to control. That's yes. not okay. Yes. It's like, use that against maybe other males who are threatening. I was like, but a girl who's defenseless, no way. There's no way. There's no way to be. To do I that. agree. I think if it were me and it was my son, I would definitely have that conversation too. Like you can't, you just do not talk to that person that way. And and the thing, the thing later is like, how did I put up with it for so long? That's really the thing that really always bothers me, because I think there was a mental component. There was a mental fright that he really instilled in me. And he yeah. said, nobody's going to love you like me. Mm-hmm. There's no one that's going to love you as much as I love you because look at everything I'm doing for you. Can, can I opinionate? Yes. I think you were scared. Probably. I think you were scared. I think, cause that's, and I've had some, yeah. some, I, I, and when we first kind of, when you mentioned the topic to me, I had to recollect some of the conversations, some of the relationships that I had. And I remember telling my husband this. I was like, I used to have a boyfriend who wasn't, who wasn't very like controlling of, of, of 
of much, but he did like to know where I was at. He did like to know where I was. Yeah. But when he was with me, he liked to control me. I was weird. He would stop at stop signs and he would sit there and he'd be like, honey, I have to tell you something. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I have to tell you something. I'm like, yeah. And he wouldn't say anything. He would just sit there. It was at the corner at the stop sign before my house. He didn't want to drop me off. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't leave me at home. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't leave me there. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be with me. Mm-hmm. And he would sit outside of my house and just sit there for hours. And I was like, wait, and I told my husband, I was like, Juan, I was like, if anybody were to hurt me, it, it would have been the nicest, the nicest. Yes, thing. that's exactly he who would have hurt me. He would have put his hands over my neck and choked me to death silently. Mm-hmm. That is scary to think. But that would have been me too. And looking at her at her case and how she was so emotional, I would get so emotional too. And I would fight back. Yeah. And it was always my fault when I would fight back. You know, the gaslighting that happened. Yeah, I would get like that too. I'd be like, hurry up. Can you just drop me off? Leave me, like take me home. I'm so mad. I'm so frustrated. And he's like, he's like, it's because it's because I'm like, what? Like you yeah. have to stop. And then the sorries that I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, and then you forgive and you forgive, and then you're like, why am I forgiving all the time? What is it? What am I getting out of this? And to be honest with you, I knew I wasn't gonna marry him. He had proposed, you know, because I was already finishing up college, and we always said when I finished college, I was gonna get married. We were gonna get married, and he did propose. But the day he proposed, I had a conversation with my dad, and my dad said, I don't know why you even think that you're ready for marriage. You're 21. You haven't lived life yet. You've only known him. And on top of that, you're going to be taking care of him mm-hmm. because he's doing nothing with his life. He has nothing to go, nothing going for him. And you've exceeded everything that you look at where you come from and where you're going now. Mm-hmm. Look at the things that you're doing. Why are you putting up with someone who's mediocre when you superseded all those expectations? And that conversation just led me to just really believe in myself and like really determine that. He said to me, you're, you feel like you're not deserving of more. You are deserving of more. You're so deserving of more. And that's the topic. And that's the mentality that we have to instill in the young ladies Mm -hmm. is that the reason why so many of them get with someone and like, and get engaged with someone or get married so soon, so soon is because they don't think they deserve more than that. Mm -hmm. So, um, offering, right. We're talking about what, what sometimes what we have to offer, right. Because if we're going to offer, we have to be able to know what to offer. Right. And yeah, sometimes I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Of course. I'm much more, um, for example, like even making money, right. I can offer more now than I could have 10 years ago for sure. But if they can't even offer you mental stability at even such a young age, they can't like offer you like, hey, I'm going to college too, because I, I do, I want to do just as good. Yeah. I want to, the way you're bringing me here, I'm also like trying, but if they can't even offer you either or, or nothing, what could he possibly have offered you? You know, and, and he knew that he couldn't offer me anything, but he felt like because we had been together for so long that it was his right and he put up with me for so long through college yeah. that it was his right for us yeah. to be married because he 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 never like left me when I we were going through all these things. So he thought you were gonna reward him. Exactly. It was like a reward or he should have been rewarded. Mm-hmm. And so when I broke off that whole thing that night after having that conversation with my father and saying, You're settling, you're settling for for regular. And you're headed in an in 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 an explosive way. 
he would say that to me. You're not giving yourself that ability to see what's better out there for you. You're not giving yourself that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so that night I broke it all off and I said, we're done. We're not, we're not, you know, seeing each other. We're not going to be together anymore. It's over. I'm done. I'm not, I go get your money back from the ring. Cause we have put some ring on, you know, layaway or whatever. Cause we couldn't even afford that. I mean, it was just like so yeah. ridiculous the way we, we did things back then. Um, and angry and coming to my house almost every single day, screaming outside and like, I want to see you. I need to talk to you. We can't do this. You can't do this to me. And my dad would walk out there and say, you know, leave her alone. She's not talking to you anymore. She's, you know, déjala. Mm-hmm. You need to go home. You need to go home. I don't know. I think I would have probably just, I don't know. I don't know. The what ifs. The, the what, what would have happened had he not... Had you not not been there or caught you on the day that your dad wasn't there? I don't even think about that because I don't want to, I don't oh, even want to no, think I, that what I'm could sorry. have happened. No, it's okay, but it's a good conversation and a good question because I really don't know where I would have, would have done. Because if you're thinking of people like Gabby right there, when she was living, she was living at his parents' house. She was. She didn't have family. I mean, she had like a phone call away. It's so different to have people you trust. Literally there. Yeah. In your immediate vicinity. Yeah. Which meant a lot to me. But Angelica, the the coming over was so consistent and it lasted for so many weeks that I was so desperate for us to move out of that house. It was that bad because unless he didn't know where I was anymore, where I was living anymore, he would finally leave me alone and never bother me again. So for the next few weeks, I was finally student teaching. I was finally getting a job as a teacher. Um, and and my sister and I would get in our car and we would drive far. We would drive to Spring Branch because that's where my dad used to work and look for houses that were on sale. Mm-hmm. And finally, we come to this one house and it's big, it's beautiful, it's perfect, but I'm not ready to buy it yet. We were just looking mm-hmm. and the lady who lived there, her name was Robin. Mm-hmm. She said, I, I really like you. I really like what you girls are doing. I'm going to hold on to this house until you're ready because I told her my story. Basically, I told her, this is what I need. I need to get out. I need a bigger house. We're living in a tiny little duplex and there's seven of us because we had even my cousin living with us. There was four kids, my cousin and my parents, you know, people yeah. like, you yeah. know, they always come yeah. over and they, <laughs> That's That's what we, do. we do, we live like that. And so there's, she was, of course, pobrecita, you know, the cutest, most lovable white lady, but she's like, how many of you? I'm like, there's seven. But she goes, I've got two kids and I've got four bedrooms upstairs and we don't even use two of them. So I told her, can you believe I would have my own bedroom? I had my own bedroom, my sister and my, you know, and so everybody would have their own bedroom. She couldn't believe it, but she loved us and she loved our family because then I brought my mom, then I brought my dad to meet Robin. And so Robin was like, I'm going to hold on to this house until you graduate from, from, from college. What I'm going to let you do is I'm going to let you pay like a rent on it so you can move and get out and I'm going to let you pay, apply that rent towards the purchase of the house. And she didn't have to do any of that, any of that. She was just coming out of the goodness of her heart. And she saw my desperation because I think I was so desperate to get out of that neighborhood and get away from that person that I think she knew if I don't do it now for her, I don't, who knows what's going to happen to her. You have to physically move yourself. Physically move, physically move so that we could get away from all of that. So you, you, you end up graduating, 
you end up graduating and then what happens? We get the house. I mean, we moved into the house literally over the summer, September, we moved in. We found it like in maybe May or June. We found that house. So we had the conversation. So you graduate May, June. <sighs> I, you graduate. Yeah, I graduated in December because okay. it was I had another semester to go. But during that time, we were all working. We were all pitching in to pay for that rent. It was oh, not just okay. me. It was my sister was working. She uh -huh. was paying some. My dad was paying some. Yeah. All of us were kind of pitching in yeah. just to just, you know yeah. make it make it out. Yeah. Um, and then from there, once I I got my job because I secured a job right away boom it was over it was done and i felt like i could finally breathe but it took like a year maybe a year to finally get out of that crazy situation for two years when you went with him he was still he was still you know it pursued me for 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 the longest time even after i had already found my husband and gotten married um still looked for me how did he look for you, how did you know? well he was looking for me through facebook sending messages through facebook sending sometimes or you know it was like a, a friend a friend of a friend or somebody you know through okay. not through facebook it was more like through friends that knew me yeah. and they would say oh well you know this is happening in her life or mm -hmm. and that would get out of facebook because somebody would see something for, about me and then share it with him or i don't know i to me it was just like he was keeping an eye on me like that and then eventually he found where my husband worked and he went over to 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 his work Did and pretended just to kind of go, get to gossip see who your husband was yeah he already knew him he already knew who he was your husband knew who he was they both knew each other because because I was a dancer and I had invited my husband to like one of my dance performances and he was there because obviously he's going to be there because he knew everybody from the dance group. Everybody loved him. Everybody invited him everywhere. Um, and yeah, and he met up with him and saw him and he just came up to him. He's like, oh, you're Alicia's new boyfriend like yeah. that. Like he was like, yeah, well, I'm going to give you some advice. Uh, you need to be careful with her. She's a cold hearted bitch. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He was that nasty and horrible. And my husband was like, well, that's what I like about her. <laughs> um, and after that, never, ever, ever. And, and my husband tells me that later, and I'm like, yeah. Five by Alicia Season 5 is sponsored by SNR Creative. Are you putting your money towards visibility but not seeing any change or business growth? Well, that is the problem. SNR Creative is a boutique marketing and business development firm in Houston that specializes in turning your ideas into reality in the most creative way possible. From social media management to website development, graphic design to event management, this full-service creative team does it all. The world can't go on without your services, so let's make sure everybody knows your name. You're either fascinating or forgotten. What will you choose? Get ahead and above the competition by contacting SNR Creative with the link in my bio. Mention Vibes by Alicia and receive a free business consultation. Vibes by Alicia Season 5 is sponsored by SheSpace. Hey you! Yes you! Badass hardworking boss. If you're tired of cliché spaces, of the regular and unimpressive, you want to add a little bit of spice to the shared co-working experience, I have just the place. SheSpace is the hub for bold women. It's the queen's throne away from home. I firmly believe in the proximity principle, which refers to the intention of surrounding yourself with the people who embody your ambitions to achieve them. Find that proximity and experience the dream job life here at SheSpace. With membership, you'll have access to a multitude of amenities, a robust calendar of events, and overall a group of like-minded women. So what are you waiting for? Come and see us at SheSpace.
Vice by Alicia, Season 5 is sponsored by Finest Blood. Finest Blood provides patients and partners and clinics with service at its finest. Avoid mixed diagnosis in unprecedented times and commit to laboratory services in the finest way. Whether you are participating in mobile or in-lab services, we will provide you with the finest care and make sure your satisfaction is met. No more waiting long hours in clinics. No more waiting long hours for results. No more leaving the comfort of your own home, if that's what you choose. At Finest Blood, our system is designed to alleviate the challenges of accessibility and timeliness of lab work while providing exceptional customer care. We provide you with the best, best care in anything that we do. Come and see us or follow us at finestbloodllc.com. But see, the thing I, the thing that I was very smart about is that I shared this whole thing with him beforehand. Mm -hmm. Even when we were first dating, I told him about this whole experience that I had with this person. Mm -hmm. And so he knew my story. He knew my history. So mm -hmm. for him, he kind of knew where I was coming from. Right. And yeah, so that whole toxic relationship thing, it was like super triggering and super, super affected by it. I was very much affected by it. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So he does end up, where, where did you think that it was, are there any like specifics that you were like, okay, this cannot be okay. Like he's at your house, he's showing up, he's trying to call you. How did you think, yeah, he would have harmed me? That you, like, if you realize it, you know, like later on, because I realized this years later, I'm like, he would have choked me. I didn't know this at the time. I didn't think about this until years, years later. Now. Now, right, we're older, we're wiser. Now we yeah. get it, we understand. Looking back. Looking back, do you feel like there was a moment where you're like, yeah, you would have heard me. There were moments where, you know, we would get in our in our cars and he wouldn't let me go and he would like park his car in front of mine so that I wouldn't move. Uh -huh. And I think if he would have had the chance, he would have probably pulled me into his car and taken me to his house and just like locked me up in a bedroom or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I had a good support system that was around me. So he knew better than to do that because it would, there would be people coming yeah. to his house, Again, going back to the support following system. him and like, give her back to us. Like, yeah. you don't deserve her. Yeah. You're acting like a maniac, major asshole. Yeah. It goes back to the people who are around you. It goes back to the people who you trust. He knew he wouldn't, he couldn't disappear you. He knew you would be, there would be people looking for you immediately. So there was no way, right? So he just has to control what you're doing now. Now, at that moment, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it does, it takes you back to, it does take you back to, we hear all these stories because it's, it's, you know, I, it's unfortunate what's happened to, to Gabby. Um, but we hear the stories all the there's, time. There's so many of them. And in our community, there's so many Latinas that face that too. That they don't want to talk. That they don't want to talk, number one. And number two, they go, they disappear. Nobody ever finds out or nobody knows because they're considered runaways. And that's not, not always the fact. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they're, they're being like, you know, taken mm -hmm. or somebody's killing them. But nobody puts effort into them. Mm -hmm. um, and even the people who can put effort into them, they're dismissed. Yeah. So even then, I think they're dismissed. Like the whole Vanessa Guillen thing, her family, her mom was dismissed so many times. Even when she would go to the military base and ask about her daughter, she was dismissed so many times. So, you know, in part, you think 
would they have looked for me? Mm -hmm. Would they have pursued this person yeah. if he would have done something to me? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe not. Again, Vanessa was all the way over there by herself. Uh, uh, by I herself. I know no family. No one to protect her. No one to stand up for her. If you, and you know, you understand how it is sometimes. It takes a while to, to get comfortable with people and trust them. You know, it was not so long ago that, that Gabby was like in New York and she met him there, but they came over here. So it would have taken her a couple of years to, to trust somebody there. The same way that Vanessa would have taken a while to trust people there too, right? It's mm -hmm. not immediate. And you don't know their yeah. character so easily. You don't know them so fast. And so how do you, okay, so question. So then what do you do, right? You know, you have maybe a neighbor girl who's young and she's alone and she doesn't have a lot around her. What do you do as a spectator? You know, you try to advise as much as you can, but ultimately it's up to her to make the decision and execute on it. So what would you tell them? What advice would you give? You know, most of the time I share my story with them when I see them suffering and I see and I tell them this is how I got out. This is how I moved out. But I have to also realize that I did have good support around me. A lot of these girls don't. Mm -hmm. And if they have support, they don't have enough strength to give the support that you need. You need a freaking strong ass family mm -hmm. to like come through for you mm -hmm. and to stand up for you and say, déjala en paz. Mm -hmm. You know, con esas ganas en los ojos y con una rabia. Yeah. Like, because they can see me and I'm scared. I'm like, oh, I can't deal with this anymore. And you're crying. And somebody just comes over and somebody, it could be your dad, it could be your mom, it could be your sister, it could be a brother, mm -hmm. and just stands up for you. That makes a big difference. I don't know if these girls have that. I think I would be the one that would say, well, you don't have anybody standing up for you. I'm going to be the one that comes and stands up for you. You know, I will be, I will confront this motherfucker and tell him to leave you alone. Mm -hmm. I will do that for you. Do you want me to do that for you? Most of the time it's no. She, in, in this whole thing that was happening, Gabby was defending him the whole time. Yeah. She kept saying, it's my fault. I have OCD. I have anxiety. I provoked him. I'm sorry. You know, he was acting this way because I made him react to the things that I was going through. I provoked him. I messed with him. I, you know, me, me, me. Yeah. And this motherfucker the whole time is just accepting it, right? Yeah. He's just like, yeah. Yeah, she she's she provoked. She's so emotional, right? Yeah. He kept saying yeah. that, yeah. and I gave her a breather. Yeah. I told her to stay out, and I locked her out the car to get her give her a breather. What was it? I gave her an out. I told yeah. her. I told her go take a break. Or no, yes, bed. you need to calm down, or I'm gonna leave you here. Yes, I yes. would have reacted the way yes. she would have too. I would have started throwing. Yes, I would have started throwing my my hands at somebody and be like, "You can't leave me in the middle." Where were they? Wyoming, Utah. It was Wyoming. Yeah, Utah. Jackson, Jackson. Yeah, I would have I, I would have done the same thing. I was like, I don't have what? Where, how are you gonna leave me here? There's no airport. Like we're in small town. Adding on to that, the way the cops treated her and the way they treated him, you think they would have treated us that way? If we would have been having a little conversation like that on the side of the road, the there's no way they would have treated us like that. So, so here's the thing. No, they would have never treated us like that. I did. I, I remember. They were super thing. sweet to her. They were. They were. They They're were like, can you go in the car and just calm down a just little bit? Down. Yeah, just sit down. Like, you need to sit down. You need to sit down. And then I want, and then I was, I was watching some of the rest of it where they were trying to get him. They were telling him like, oh yeah, 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 I'm from California too. And sometimes this happens. Yes. And, and I'm like. They were relating their stories yeah, to themselves. To him. Yeah, to yeah, him. to him. It was, it was right. The distressed little girl. She needs to go take a break. 
move her aside, go over there. We need to talk to this guy like, hey, you know, sometimes they act like this and you just have to keep your cool. I know. That is <laughs> the most infuriating, the most. Blame, I don't want to blame the cops. And sometimes, you know, because they try to make it out to be like a mental health crisis, right? And it was like, I don't. I don't think that was it. No. And knowing now what I know, again, mm-hmm, go mm-hmm, back to mm-hmm. maturity. And I'm not a cop and I'm not a mental health specialist. As somebody who just suffers from it, I I can tell the yeah. difference within myself. And sometimes I can tell the difference within other people. She was, it was not a mental health thing for her. For her, she was distraught. She, she obviously needed a little more help. Ha- I think about it. Had they just like been like, hey, you know what? You swerved off the road. You were going 50 yeah. miles an hour. Yeah. I need to give you a ticket, uh-huh. sir, because yes. you were going over the speed limit. Yes. And as a matter of fact, y'all, why don't y'all follow us to the police station? There's If this is really is a mental health awareness thing, or maybe we need to call somebody else. Maybe we should bring in a female cop and just assess. Maybe we imagine, need more help. yeah. Maybe we need more help than just separating them for a moment. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Which, which, by the way, they did tell them to go off in their separate, you know, go sleep separately. But yeah. get, what's going to happen the next day? Alicia, it was it was a domestic issue. It was a domestic abuse issue. It, it was. was. It wasn't. And and there were calls. There were nine one one calls that said he had slapped her. Yeah. And they had seen it. Yeah. And they knew that information before going because they they. The, I, I believe the dispatcher had to relay that message. Right? I wonder if they relayed the message though. I'm oh, not sure about that. I'm not sure okay. if they were they were given that information. I've been listening to a few podcasts about it. And I'm not sure. Nobody's really sure if they were given that information that okay. he had hit her and that a person saw it and they called it in. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I yeah. mean, that's to be seen and to be uh, discovered, I, I guess, in the future. Yeah, maybe I am over But I did. I, I look at it, I look back at it, and she was, they did try to comfort her, and they were very sweet and very nice, and they were treating her more like a, a little girl than a woman in distress. Yes. And because she looks so young and so she innocent and cute, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why so many people are obsessed with this story yeah. is because she's such a cute young girl and she documented everything on her Instagram, which, by the way, leads us to another conversation that all you saw on her Instagram were great, beautiful things yeah. that were happening on their yeah. their travels. Yeah. We didn't see the craziness that was happening behind behind the scenes. How he was getting so angry at her because she kept posting in at the cafe that they were at that morning. She was posting all the things for her blog, and he mm-hmm. was getting tired of her posting on her blog this long. And she was writing, writing, writing. Again, she was working on herself, making something out of this, yeah. and he didn't like it because it wasn't enough in, enough attention on him. Yeah, the same situation that happened to me. There you are going to college and you're not paying attention to me. I put up with you already for all these years. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm done. I'm done. You're gonna have to just, you know, figure that out on your own because I'm done, you know, supporting you through this, this, this silly college thing. Mm-hmm. When in my mind, I'm thinking, gosh, what would it take for somebody to support? Mm-hmm. There's men out there that do support their women. There are men out there that are grateful that, you know, you're doing something and and achieving things that they're not. Again, to the conversation we had earlier, Mm -hmm. why are they not seeing that it's it's a plus for their partnership? Yeah, that they can do you. That they doesn't it does it's not always the man yeah, helping the woman. Sometimes exactly. the woman can help the man. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and so absolutely it happens to be sometimes we're probably emotionally better than some men. And so we can we definitely can help 
you know, right. be like, hey, maybe I can, I can help you. I don't know, you know, get the 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 either the courage or the want or the need to help better yourself along with myself and get to the places where we need to get so we can have a family together. But, but I don't you know. How do we recognize the men from the other men? How can we recognize when they're not good for you? Well, or it's like you just I think we have there. to, again, look at what are the red flags, mm-hmm. looking at, at how he treats you um, when no, one is, no one's around and they're not putting on a facade or putting on it like a show for mm-hmm. others because that's one thing he used to do oh, really? How? put on a show he would just be funny and fun and like make everybody laugh and joke you know but then when we're together mm-hmm. it was serious it was nasty it was really? uh stop doing that i don't like it when you do that or you need to change like that would walk away from okay so exactly it's just one-on-one say you were at a party right and you did something he didn't like would he pull you aside or would you wait till y'all got to the party? no we waited until we were in the car he waited until we were in the car and then he would tell me something you know i didn't like when you did that and then it was always like accusatory and like um you know where are you what are you doing this weekend no i'm going i don't want you to go out with your friends i think you should stay home i think you you know we've already gone out we've already done this we've already done that it was always like we 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 we've already done like it's never about the independence and it's never about you being on your own away from him never because if you're away from him you're seeing other guys you're dancing with other guys you're talking to other guys you're having a conversation with other guys they don't want to risk you meeting other people right? Mm -hmm. Because then that means you might like somebody else or they might, you know, tell you different or you might see, oh shit, this guy supports me and doesn't, you know, uh, keep me caged like a bird in the cage. Wow. Interesting. And that happened for me, by the way, when I started going off to college and doing things in college, I met guys who sent me books, who sent me, who, who encouraged my learning, mm-hmm. who encouraged my travel. They yeah. would say, where are you going next? I was, oh, Tucson. Oh, you need to try this place. You need to do this. It's yeah. really great. Da, da, da. And never saying, don't do that. Like, instead of, in, instead of doing that, mm-hmm. they would say, you know what, before you go, you should read this book. It's a really great book on this, on, mm-hmm. on Arizona or whatever it was. And men and boys and guys in college were doing that for me. And I was like, wow, there are guys out there that were different and that also wanted me to grow and learn. Yeah. Wow. And so for me in my head, I'm like, what the hell am I doing with this person? (laughs) You know, but you're so used to them because you've been together for so long that you're afraid of not being with them anymore. That you're, you're scared of what could be, what if he's right? What if he is right? And I don't um, meet somebody that loves me so much. Right, Alicia. As you're talking, I hope your listeners are listening and triggers are going off because they're going off for me. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about relationships I had mm-hmm. in the past, mm-hmm. and just triggers are going off. Oh my god, independence! Why did they were so trying to covet my independence? Why were yeah. they so worried about me, like me pursuing or trying to do better in mine things, small mm-hmm. things, stupid things that just make sense? Like, oh, she's gonna go with her family out of state it means like of course have a good time have fun Mm -hmm. take pictures go on walks go on hikes not oh you're gonna go oh what did y'all do who did y'all see who did you talk to exactly why did you do that exactly oh oh, okay so you had that much fun why you never have that much fun with me yeah Yeah. you it doesn't look like you're you ever have that much fun with me I went to yeah. I went to study abroad in Mexico and I came back and I knew I knew different music. I learned so much on the study abroad program. 
you came back changed. You came back different. You're not the same girl that left before. And now you like this music? Like it was Mana, <laughs> right? Like I had learned about Mana and fucking Merida. And he was like, I've never heard of that group. Who are they? Why do you like them? I mean, I'm like, wow. <laughs> Unbelievable that I put up with this dumb shit. Like, I'm so like, amazed at myself that I put up with it for so long. So a good, boy, a good boyfriend would be like, really? Do you have their music? How do they sound? How, what did you like about them? What sound do you like best? Oh my God, well, let me listen. Isn't Let's that interesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you like about him? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and as the years go by and I realize those things about the men in my life, so many of them were so different from that. Yeah. So I knew that there were men out there that were super supportive, uh, caring, um, loving in a way that wasn't uh, overbearing, that was very supportive and sweet. And when I met my husband, for example, I knew that he was that kind of person because he saw those things that I thought were flaws or that I was told were, were crazy and ugly about me. He saw it as strength. Mm -hmm. You know, that I was a bitchy. He goes, I was, in I was enthralled by your bitchy face. I wanted to know why is that girl always with the resting bitch face all the time? I want to know what's up with that. Mm -hmm. So he goes, you intrigued me. I wanted to know about you. I wanted to know why you always walk from every class to your car. Because he would see me, you know, in college. You walk from class to your car and you just drop your bag in your car and you get in your little Corolla and you take off. You don't look at anybody. You don't do anything. You don't say hi to anyone. I'm like, yeah, because I'm going to work and I'm probably, you know, running to work yeah. from school, going to work. And he goes, yeah, all those things I paid attention to. And I wanted to know why is she always in a hurry? Mm -hmm. Why does she not pay attention minding to other people? Why yeah. is she always minding her business? Yeah. Why does she look like she's always on a mission? It's like, you're always on a mission. He still tells me today. It's like you walk around like you're on a mission all the time. I'm like, I'm always on a mission. I'm always on a mission. There's stuff to do. There's stuff to do. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you're always on a mission. And, and so those things that that person saw as um, ugly and bad about me were strengths to another man, another yeah. person that saw yeah. it like, damn, I want to know about her because she's yeah. like, like, like different. What is the word chingona? Yeah. Different. Yeah. She's she doesn't put up with shit. Yeah. And he goes, I ask people around, you know, the university and they're like, man, you don't want to freaking talk to her. She's, <laughs> she's, she will freaking put you down and she will like tell you what's up. And again, it kind of goes back to my neighborhood, but cause I didn't put up with a lot of shit, but mm -hmm. he was like, man, I wanted to know more about you. Like, mm -hmm. who? Are the, who are you? You were intriguing to him. I was intriguing to him. And so when he met my sister and my sister told him about me, he goes, man, your sister, I need to meet her. I need to know who she is because she sounds like somebody I need to know. And she was like, yeah, she doesn't give anybody the time of day. <laughs> I, I hope I hope there's somebody that are really paying attention to those. No, that can and that can be, that there's more. And that we share our story because I wouldn't yeah. share this story, honestly, because I keep so much of this stuff inside mm -hmm. just because I don't want to relive it a lot, a lot yeah. of the times. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah. And you know what, Alicia? Thanks it, for sharing. Because thank it's, you. It's going to make the difference. For me, now I know. You know what I mean? Now I want to go back. Because I share, I reshare my stories with my family that I hear. Now I know, like I can... I take this with me and I go and I share it with my nieces. Like, oh, I know somebody who kind of went through this and this is what happened and this is where she's at now. There's more to this. There's You can do more than just this. And there's always more to anybody. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a background. Everyone has something that has happened to them or has, has changed them and molded them into the person that they are today. Mm -hmm. I don't think everybody 
taps into that mm -hmm. because I think for like for me, I don't want to keep it inside. I don't want to talk about it because mm -hmm. it it starts to release these these um, emotions for me again, mm -hmm. and I start to get anxious again, and I start to think about why the hell did I not get away from that when I could have. But again, it was a learning, it was a process, and it was something that had to happen to me so that I could come out in the end, the strong woman that I am now, the one that doesn't put up with shit, the one that sees sees a guy like that, and I can identify him immediately mm -hmm. and be like, okay, y'all, this is somebody we need to stay it's away from. This yeah. is a problem. Yeah. And so I identify, and my husband does this for me. He will take me on luncheons and, do, and dinners with business people because he knows I have that intuition now. Mm -hmm. He knows I can sense somebody's being fake, somebody's mm -hmm. being good, somebody's not good. Somebody, he knows that. So he'll bring me along mm -hmm. and I'll go home and I'm like, yeah, you have to be careful with this person because mm -hmm. this person's got something going on and, and, and there's something, agenda. there's yeah. another agenda and the way he speaks, the way he's portraying his verb, his nonverbal language, I'm paying attention to a lot. Mm -hmm. And so there, those are things that are strengths for me now, but those are things that I gained through, you know, those years yeah. of putting up with that and dealing with that sort of thing and, yeah. and realizing, yeah, fine. Yeah. I went through that, but it made me who I am. But if it can teach somebody a lesson, I'm hopeful that it does. So what would you, if you have men listening, what would you tell them? For me, for me, this is just me. For, for those men that might be listening, I think you can, you recognize your own toxic, toxic traits. Yes. And you can change them. You absolutely can. And you're, it's not like you're a lost cause. It's not like, oh, you're, you're trash and we're talking trash about you. No. It's more like, yeah, you have them. We all have toxic traits. You just have to work on changing them. You have to work on them, but you have to realize that you have them. You have to, first of all, acknowledge that you have toxic yeah. traits. Sometimes people point them out to you. And it's like, you know what? It's when people point it out to you and it's the thing that makes you mad. You're like, no, I'm not. You're like, hold Because on, you know it's true. Mad? Yeah. You're like, why did it make you mad? I have toxic traits in my relationship that I have to work on all the time because I'm oh, very jealous so and very I. possessive. Very jealous and possessive. So and I. those are things that I'm working on and work on a lot. Yeah. Um... And it it and I know that it could jeopardize my relationship if I allowed these these behaviors, these toxic behaviors to fester in me and to and to grow in me because I can definitely damage a really good, beautiful relationship because I can be extremely possessive. I can be very, very jealous. Mm -hmm. Um of, of, of his time, of him being with other people, of, of other women around him. Mm -hmm. I get extremely like, oh, yeah. I can't deal with it. I mm -hmm. can't. It's so hard. So I work on it. And mm -hmm. so before we go out, I talk myself through things. Mm -hmm. I really go through in my mind, oh, we love each other. We've, mm -hmm. we've, we have a really beautiful, committed, loyal relationship. Mm -hmm. Just because there's other women mm -hmm. around does not mean that he's interested in them or that they're interested in him. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I go through this dialogue in my head yeah. by myself yeah. while we're driving to wherever we're going. Cause I know we're going to be around other women. Mm -hmm. I but in my head, mm -hmm. I'm so in love mm -hmm. and so obsessed with him that I'm, I know if I allow those toxic behaviors to take over me, it will ruin my relationship. Yeah. It will, because I'm creating bullshit scenarios that don't exist, mm -hmm. but because in my head, I'm thinking them. 
again, like you were saying earlier, in my head, I can't control what's coming out of my head. I can yeah. just think it through, but I process it, right? Yeah. You can process those yeah. things yeah. before can, they. You can be different. You can be different for yourself. Um, but I think if you're young, if you're a young guy, I know that this is, that it's, it's not the be all end all no, when, you're, when you're out of a relationship. You don't have to pursue her like that. You don't have to think. I, you think that somebody else, because you will find somebody else. You'll find somebody else, yeah. the same way she is. And just wish her farewell. And just, wish her well. Yeah. If you love her, wish her well. Yeah. If you really care about her, wish her the best, because that's really what you want for somebody that you love. Yeah. Or do what we do. Go to the bed and cry. And just cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Cry yeah. it out. Cry it out. Cry it out. <laughs> And don't bother me while I'm crying it out. <laughs> it was, it's such a, it's a good conversation, but I think a lot of, um, I think young women need to really um, hone in on that and hone in on that intuition and that sense that you, you have in your body that tells you something is not good and listen to it. So many of them, and I hear from so many of them are so wanting a relationship so desperate to be in a relationship so desirous of being in a relationship they're willing to put up with bullshit mm -hmm. even though their little intuition is telling them no 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 this is not good this is not good they don't listen to it because they're so desirous of being in a relationship mm -hmm. that then they're burned later on i just tell them please 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 you do not have to be in a bad relationship just to be in a relationship but again social media has a big component on that because they see everybody showing their beautiful couple goal photos and as much as i try not to do it i do it sometimes i'm like damn it i'm probably putting pressure on someone because they're thinking i want that relationship i want that really i want what they have it's years and years and years. You've been married yeah. a long time. It yeah. is years of honing this and nurturing yeah. and nurturing. We're still working. We're and still, working still doing it. Yeah. Again, I said it just earlier. Yeah. I'm obsessed. I'm possessive. I'm a jealous, crazy woman. Yeah. Yeah. So like, we were, as a matter of fact, on the way here, he was like, he was like, why don't you organize yourself? I'm like, I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We still, there, we still have our flaws and we still go through the situation, but but the, the idea that he's so willing to grow with me says so much. Exactly. Says so much. And it, it keeps me in a relationship because he's willing to grow. He has that willingness. Not only just willingness. Not just saying, yeah, 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 I'll work on it. No, but actually Actions. taking the making steps. Actually executing on everything that he says he's going to do for you. Yeah. And actually doing it. Yeah. yeah. That we're not having the same conversations we were having two years ago. We're not bringing no. the same stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it is, we actually, we're like, oh, shit, what happened? You know, we were working so well. What happened? Like, uh, what, exactly. where did you mess up? Where did I mess up? How do we work on this stuff? And that's really the real hashtag couple goals. Yeah. When you together are working through these issues together and growing through them together. Yeah. That's really the thing that's not shown on social media. It's not shown on Instagram. Because it's so difficult to show that. And it's difficult. It, yeah, it's, it is. It's very hard. People assume that you must have a beautiful relationship and you never fight and you never argue. Yeah, we freaking argued yesterday and we <laughs> I cried yesterday because he said something to me that I told him you... I knew you were going to bring it up and I 
thought that you wouldn't bring it up, but I knew you were going to do it. And he was like, yeah, "Yeah, I thought we were past it. He was, I'm sorry. I forgot. I said, take it back. Don't say that ever again. I was so upset. I was so, I was crying and hysterical. And then I got over it, you know, but it's like, it, it it is it really is but that's not something I'm I'm willing to share on social because that's a very private moment that he and I have together. Yeah, because it's yours. It's yours. And you it's have very private. It yeah, and you would hate to think that you would share that and somebody think. I, sometimes I don't want people to think bad about my husband. You know what I mean? The last thing I want to do is put a fat palette. Yeah, of course. People, yeah, about my husband or my relationship. You know what I mean? We're still working on it, and it is it's a, it's a work in progress. But there's 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 a, for me, Yeah. if ever the growth stopped, yes. if ever if I felt I was like mentally in danger yeah. or physically in danger, yeah. because there is that mental and that of physical course. abuse, if I ever felt like that, I would, you know, it's like, all right, it's time for me to go. Or, you know what I mean? I don't know. Again, I think I am in love with my husband. I would, I would, I would exhaust all resources, like couples yeah, therapy, this and that, that and this, but. There's a difference. I don't know. You know what I mean? I never feel like I'm ever in physical danger. No, 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 no. Of course not. And I think in retrospect and and it ha- and being, you know, 46-year-old woman now, looking at my 16-year-old self, I definitely can't make those assumptions that I would do what I'm doing now, mm-hmm. that would have done, done then, because these 20, 30 years have given me so many more experiences and re- reality checks mm-hmm. that I can't hold that 16-year-old girl accountable for the things that she did. I can't because that's who she was at that time. You didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. So one thing was forgiving myself for putting up with all of that because that's one thing I always go back to. Why did I put up with it? I have to forgive myself for having put up with all of that because I just did. I just put up with, with it. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't think there was anything better out there until I realized that there was other things out there for me until then those years, I, you know, suffer through them. But um, this is a conversation that I, I think is like so good. You we know what? This water hole for a while. Forever. Yeah. But guys, if you like what you're listening to, please let us know, give us your feedback. We want to hear from you. Angelica, thank you so much for being here today. You have been the best, and I'm going to tag everything that Angelica does into the description so that everybody knows where to go and follow you. 